people were getting promoted. I couldn't really put my finger on it. I put my sights on that job and I started asking people, like, what did you do? And it grows your confidence, the fearlessness. If you want to be at the sea level, you've got to be able to do it. I'm Jerry Mecca, and thank you for listening to Tech Legacies. Welcome to the Tech Legacies video podcast. I am your host, Fanny Dunnigan, where every episode I come to you featuring technology executives to share their career stories, insights, advice, and lessons learned along their journey so that we can help you in the audience and support your career growth in the technology sector. So this episode, we have the amazing Jerry Mecca. Mm. Welcome, Jerry. Amazing. Thank you. <laughs> I have heard your name across all kinds of different circles. Wow. That's... So I am really happy that we get to sit down I'm and flattered. chat. Yes. Happy to be here. So Jerry, let's just dive straight into it. Sure. Because sure. I do find that sometimes people don't, they're in technology, but they may not have started in technology. Mm -hmm. So tell us how you got started and how you entered this sure. industry. Sure. So my dad was a cable television engineer ah. early on, mm -hmm. always had gear uh, in the basement in New Jersey. And then when we moved to Texas, you know, out on a bench ah. and uh, I was able to explore mostly hardware. I wasn't into software or anything, but just electronics in general. Um, so my dad was probably the unintentional and, you know, he, yeah. he never drove me to be in that business, uh, but it did make me very comfortable with technology. And was your first job in technology? Um, no, my first job was waiting tables at a restaurant. Like uh -huh. I think most people do. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, while I was, in my senior year of high school, the TRS-80, I'm really dating myself, came out uh -huh. and uh, I was a, 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 a Radio Shack nut. And so even though the Radio Shack folks were into uh, CB radios and ham radios and stereo, they didn't know what to make of this TRS-80. So I got to play with it out of the box when it first hit the market. So that got me exposure to PCs. Nice. And then, uh, Right out of college, my um, sister started a computer company. Hmm. and So it runs in the family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, more of us too. My, my brother Kenny and my brother Randy both uh, were involved in the business. In fact, that business was started as a family and then ultimately went public when I was 23. Wow. But in that early stage career, I wasn't in tech though the company sold technology products, mm -hmm. I was uh, comfortable with tech. And so I sat in the sales office and I helped the salespeople when technical questions would come in, ah. that they were more, they were familiar with pricing manufacturers, but when somebody wanted to know how to plug this into this or whether this was compatible with this or how to make this capability happen, mm -hmm. um, that was, OTJ and OTL on in my life uh, experience that I was able to offer. And then it got so busy in the sales office that uh, they gave me a salesman number mm. and I started selling technology. Wow. And I did that for goodness, first 15 years of my career. What was something that you learned out of those 15 years in sales? Well, um, 
Because we're as technologists, yeah. we're not necessarily comfortable selling. Um, we're focused on the the tech, the sure. facts, the figures. Sales is almost like a, a art form in mm -hmm. itself. So I would be lying to say that my first sales experience was selling out after I left college because as a kid through youth sports and Boy Scouts, you had to do fundraisers and I might have been a cute kid that could walk up to the door and get mm. people to give me money and it, I did get you know, endorphin, I didn't know it at the time, but yeah. I did get excitement out of that. So the same reason. Once I saw how much money I could make, it, it motivated me to be more uh, conversational and, mm. and inquire about things other than just today's order and develop relationships so that when the sales, when the customer would call back, they would ask for me. Mm. Uh, back then it was sort of just like the phone rings, pick it up, the phone rings, pick it up. But then eventually you had your, your cadre of favorite customers yeah. and Let's unpack that. Like, yeah, so sure. this, this idea of conversational and yeah. not necessarily about the order. Yeah. Right? What are some examples of conversations you would have to build these relationships yeah. with your clients? They're probably the typical ones. Mm. A place I've never been. Oh, I've never been there. Tell me about Portland or, mm -hmm. you know, or um, if it was international, you know, just wherever somebody, it was always about the location and then... Mm. Sadly, typically the weather, or mm -hmm. there'd be something current event. Yeah. Um, cowboys were terrible at the time. I was a big cowboy fan. They eventually got better, but but in the early '80s, they were they were not so good. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, just things that would make conversation. I also should tell you that um, the company funded me going to a uh, Dale Carnegie course oh. it was like seven weeks it wasn't just like seven going to, weeks yes <laughs> for seven you went for seven weeks um it was four hours in in the night on a thursday okay. and you 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 did develop tools that i don't mean to say i didn't need to really be taken out of my shell but yeah um how to remember people's names Oh, do you remember the tip? What is the yeah, tip? Yeah, so the... the do um, tell. You always associated... That, so the guy who taught the class was Jim Polowski. And he, he, you'd go around the room and Jim would be Jim, like work at the gym. And uh. pole with ski poles and Al Hoot. And I know this is crazy and there's probably some people... Well, all gonna, these years you still yeah, remember. I still remember. So, it, it so stuck, I'd play right? with the name when I get it. You saw me do that with you in my mother's name, mm, my grandmother's yes, name. So, yes. And, uh, and I did something with your last name too, but let's just leave it at that. Uh, but <laughs> okay. my, she was Irish as well, so yes. there was uh, some connection there. But yeah, they're, they're tricks. But the people thing was every time I met somebody, um, I knew we were taught that you'd like to talk about yourself. Mm -hmm. So yeah. let them. Uh. And... Well, so where are you from? And I picture a house. Do you have any brothers and sisters? I picture windows for the brothers and sisters. And then, well, was this, you know, a big house? You know, was your mom and dad still alive? You know, we'd, uh, before you knew it, you had this packing, or this piling on technique that then later you may not remember everything, mm. 
But you remember they had a lot of kids or they were... So you, you would know, put they're... mental pictures in your head? In my head, literally pictures. Ah. And I think that's not uncommon for yes. um, uh, people who think like that. Yeah. I think like that. Yeah. Well, and such a big part of whether we buy from somebody is mm -hmm. whether we feel like we can trust them or not. Mm -hmm. Right? Do you feel like those kind of conversations and things like that built trust or what else helped you to build trust with your clients? Delivery. Mm -hmm. You know, I, mm -hmm. uh, all of the things that we were selling were quality products. Um, later in my career, I had to sell things that weren't always working and that, uh, was frustrating for me. That's why I didn't stay in sales because mm -hmm. at some point we all talk about this as IT people. We get people calling them trying to sell us stuff all the time and often it's a bunch of noise. It's a yeah. vaporware that doesn't really work the way they say it or they make mm -hmm. it sound like it's going to work and mm -hmm. uh, I couldn't really do that. Mm -hmm. Once I was in a place where I had to overly convince I wanted the market to want something and then I could use my relationship. I also got a lot of, like I have a voice that sounds good on the phone mm. and that helped me. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. I got told that. So ah. you pick up these things that you get your, your excitement from because somebody's complimentary. Yeah. So it's uh, almost like you're tucking everything away, little strength away and yeah. then like doubling down it, on it. Almost, but not, but not, right? but not um, the last thing I want to do is come up like I have it all figured out. Right. But um, but yeah, I I didn't feel like I was using it to manipulate them. Mm -hmm. I did have a girlfriend who once told me that I was Dale conning her. <laughs> oh gosh. She said that I was so good at it <laughs> that she just because I had she knew about it when I went to the classes. Mm, yeah. And so she was don't Dale con me, and I was like, wait. It depends that. on the user for good yeah. or. So you really want it to be sincere, right? And um, and people can spot fake. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yes, immediately. And so I'm you not. Had Fifteen years of yep. kind of sales, mm -hmm. and then did you dive? Did you then pivot to something very technical? Yeah. So was next? I I had during that sales time I had a couple of really good clients, uh, Sibagaiga Pharmaceuticals out of New York. And there was a lady named Marie Harrington. Uh, God, I don't even know if she's still alive. It's a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was a, a MIS director, mm -hmm. but that was the top job at the company. Mm -hmm. And I thought I could do that job. I had worked on with her side by side, and then I started to meet more people like that. I'll make a long story short, I kind of coveted the career a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I think mm -hmm. I could do it's right. not all tech. It's running the business. Yeah. It's little sales, you know, yeah. all these other things. And, uh, and then in, um, we ran a project at, at ACT where I was and there was no CRM and I was the most technically competent in the office without going out and hiring a consulting mm -hmm. company. Mm -hmm. And I just took on the project. Um, and that's kind of really where the tech career kind of took off mm. because by the, when the project was over, um, they wanted me to run the IT department. Mm. I still had to keep my customers. I still sold, but I also had, two hats. had the, uh, the technical side. So I had a P&L and I had IT, which is the dream state today for IT people. If we could all have a, mm -hmm. a way to make money for our company and the way of spending it and where they don't feel so right. bad, you know? Right. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So that's how, 
that act, I say that wasn't as intentional. That was accidental. Is it but always, was, do you think sometimes it's about being in the right place at the right for time? For sure, for sure. Mm. Um, what's the old Woody Allen, you know, half the battle is being there or showing mm. up. Um, mm. But, but I, I, I'm fearless. I inject myself into stuff I probably shouldn't be doing, but I don't have imposter syndrome. I mean, if I think I can do it, mm. I get in and try. Mm -hmm. Now, I may ultimately, like I said earlier in our conversation before we started, football was was something I thought I could do. And then when I got to college, there were so many people that were better than me. Yeah. I mean, it's a reality check versus a, I'm not going to try because they might be better than me. Let's, well, yeah. let me, you, you said something there. Mm -hmm. So you, you don't have imposter syndrome. Where do you think that came from? From childhood or... I mean, I have learned along the way. I have insecurities, so it's not mm -hmm. like I don't have them. But um, wow, that's a great question. Mm. And and I do think I have four brothers and three sisters, and um, I don't feel like it was a nurturing home where I didn't get beaten up or teased. Yeah. But when I got out in the world and realized that I had a personality and something to bring to the table and I was getting positive reinforcement, I realized mm. it was the environment that was creating my insecurities, mm. not me. And, and so, so I can maybe remember, positive reinforcement. It, it is. It's okay. more of that. Mm -hmm. It's more of that. I remember fourth grade, just people laughing and you're so funny. I was like, man, I can't even get a word in edgewise at the dinner table. <laughs> These people are eating this up and it, it did. It grows your confidence. And, uh, the fearlessness, I'll try just about anything. Hmm. I mean, once. I mean, I. So um, along the way, because mm -hmm. you're at mm -hmm. the CIO level now, yep. how did you get to this point? Like, was yep. it again by happenstance or, or something else? So I had a. Um, so it was at ConocoPhillips, Burlington Resources at the time. And um, uh, they. Um, people were getting promoted, but I wasn't. Mm. And I couldn't really put my finger on it. And they all seemed to come from audit, consulting, and uh, I didn't have that background. And now I'm mid-30s, mm. not gonna go try to look up a PwC gig and see mm -hmm. if I could build, some, I didn't think it was, and I'd also, for the first time, read an annual report and this job called Chief Information Officer started to pop up. This is 95. So ah, I don't, still early. Yeah. So I yeah. don't think, but it was somebody, I wanted to, I think it's Hewlett Packard. Mm. Trying to remember exactly who's annual report, but nonetheless, um, I, I put my sights on that job and I started asking people like, what did you do? And he goes, well, I got a master's degree. Mm. How do I do that? And so, but I did, I went and got one of those executive MBAs from Baylor. Um, it was great. Uh, what in that mm -hmm. program helped you? the most? Um, it did make me now more financially savvy. Mm. So I've got the gift of gab, I've got the technology, but mm. how about a P&L and how about planning a budget or how about contracts and, and uh, economics? I, I had a business background, but not a business degree. Mm. And so I would, I think being, like I said, being able to read a financial statement and understand what was causing the bottom line to be impacted and the difference between capital and operating expense. I mean, just yeah. all sorts of things that you don't get that in 
the traditional sales guy doesn't get taught that. They may know that I'm selling it for more profit than it costs to make it, but that's about where it ends. And then uh, in technology, we're just so rabid about, they can't, we can't believe that somebody can't yeah. see the value in something. I wanna pause real quick here and give a special shout out to one of our sponsors, CG Infinity. I've worked with them for several years now, and I can truly say that they have one of the best workplace cultures that I've ever experienced. And they specialize in a variety of industries, especially energy, utilities, and financial services. And they serve them through their Salesforce, cloud, as well as customer experience services. So thank you, CG Infinity and I hope you'll support them as they have supported us here at the podcast. So let's, does that mean you think that to get to a CIO level or CTO level, it needs those three legs? For sure. The sales, the tech, obviously, and then the finance. And, and you know, in the sales is the communications. Mm. So, I mean, really at the end of the day, I mean, my first degree was in communications. Ah. So I did that simply because I thought from all the degrees that were out there, um, I chased a, an accounting degree right out of college, but I hated it. <laughs> yes. Um, and, uh, and so, and my sister had already started Ingram. So when she had started, that was Ingram Micro's uh, electronics distributor. She had uh, needed people to come to work there right away. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to get done. So I rushed through college to get out. Um, I'm jumping around here a bit, but yeah. So did you was... ever have a low point in your career? Jerry? Oh, for sure. So in right before that Burlington resources gig, the company that I had gone to work for. So Ingram was so successful. I just thought you start up an it firm and you mm. you're successful because technology, Everyone everybody's buying it. it. That's right. Mm -hmm. And initially the first few years was great. Um, but it, the company slowly but surely was failing. So was my marriage. Mm. And uh, mm. I loaded up the car. A, a college buddy called me up and said, hey, I'm down here in this oil and gas business and I don't know IT and they just gave it to me. Mm. Well, you know, you interested? And I gave him a number and he, he said yes. Ah. And so that's really when I switched from sales into IT as a job. And again, it was a relationship thing. It was a relationship thing. It was thing. who you know. It was who I know, and it was also a low point. You know, like I was really devastated. I couldn't believe that the company I'd spent 13 years trying to take, I owned 5% of it, mm. you know, and I, it didn't work. And then the marriage probably didn't work because I didn't realize that it was really hanging on all this money I was making mm. selling gear. Mm. And um, that's just a realization. Sometimes you realize it's, what was your mindset at that time? Um, I was devastated, mm. uh, uh, but it was Houston. I had a car. They were selling my house for me. They came in and solved so many of the stress mm. problems. Um, the, uh, I, they gave me a cash signing bonus. Mm. I put everything I owned in the back of my Porsche and drove to Houston. <laughs> And uh, they sold the house, gave half the money to my ex. Um, so how do you trust that things like that end up happening? Because it was almost like a, would you say a stroke of luck? 
or well, something else? So I don't believe, I believe in luck, mm. but I believe luck happens you know, when you're in, you have some direction intent. Mm. You, you, if you're a bad person or if you're a thief or you're a criminal or yeah. whatever, um, you usually get killed when something bad happens, but, and not that it is sort of emotionally killing you, but mm. um, I think that uh, I always had drive. I always had something that was sending me in a direction and and yeah, I will say that having good relationships meant that opportunities would present themselves. Would uh, you nurture the relationships along the way or Sure, sure. Or only when How do you And see this is yeah, yeah, I yeah. see that often sometimes yeah. is people don't end up going out to network mm-hmm. till they need a job. It's funny you said that. Or <laughs> No, uh so Craig Broussard? Yes. Uh, so you know Craig? We have a common friend. Yeah, 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 so Craig and I, he apparently had been reaching out to me to join this tech organization for years. And I, it's different. I, I, I quote unquote ghosted him. Mm. Uh, not really. I never said yes. <laughs> Sorry, I never said Craig. no. Sorry, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, he, uh, he was persistent without being annoying. And, uh, and then when I was leaving TROP, I wanted to um, engage and I decided I would hit everything because I'm a networker and how could it not? I did, it's funny how I see the same people everywhere, but so I guess I, mm-hmm. I've learned that you could still pick one or two and probably yeah. get, but, uh, but I've always been intentional about networking. Mm. It's always, I got pulled into a network conversation around oil and gas when I was at Burlington that was, it was real forced and, and kind of odd but it did, it did open me up to yeah. groups that help each other mm-hmm. and, and that you have a common ground and that you can get problems solved by, you know, hey, you don't have to go tell my boss I can't figure out something. I can call the peer who knows it or tell a peer. And he's like, I know somebody who knows it. That's how it all any works. Ad- any networking advice you'd share with our audience here, Jerry? Things to do or not do when networking? Yeah, so do. Um, Trust, go, you know, show up, um, try to be open, do the best you can. If you're not, you know, super social, that that's difficult, but usually there's a lot of introverts. That's right. In the technology field. So as an introvert, what would you say they can do to overcome that? Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. (laughs) That was actually a book that I got right out of college. It's great. Somebody gave me that. I can't even remember who it is. Yeah. No, it's brilliant. And, and it really is the comment I made earlier. People like to talk about themselves. Mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. You do. Mm-hmm. We all do. Yeah. And so if you don't feel comfortable talking, just ask questions. And uh, then it opens up. And then I have yet to find, my daughter's introverted. But when she gets around the crew that she hangs with, She's the loudest laugher, the funniest, you know, mm-hmm. and because mm-hmm. at some point she's got this common ground and then she feels yes. comfortable in that zone. And why wouldn't an IT person feel comfortable with a bunch of other IT people? Right. The things I wouldn't do, and I've, this happened to me so many times where somebody would reach out to me on LinkedIn, uh, see that I, had, I worked at Dr. Pepper and there was a supply chain position open and do you know the guy who does this? And, you know, this would be somebody I met at an event. And I said, sure, I do. You know, let me send your resume over there. And then it would be, hey, I haven't heard from your buddy. Mm -hmm. 
that's not right. That's, that's a party foul. Mm -hmm. It's up to you from that point on. I've yeah. given you the intro, but I can't close the deal for you. Right. And I don't know that people understand that about networking. They may now, yeah. a lot more mature uh, practice. It's about the intro. It is. And you've you got to take it intro. upon yourself that's to right. wrap it up. Yeah. That's right. It is not, uh, it's not the person who's, yeah. So that was, that's one thing. The other thing is there's no such thing as a follow-up to somebody you've never spoken to before. So let's say I went to an event and I didn't talk to somebody, but I was there. And I get an email out of nowhere saying, hey, let's connect. I do this or I do that. And um, you don't remember them. They're selling something. And yes. you, are, you talk to so many people. And you're trying to be kind. But at the right. same time, you're not trying to blow it off. And then they send an email like a week later saying they're following up on the email they sent before. Now, that is not a follow-up. And I don't know who's teaching that technique. But people, that's a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. I can see right through it. That becomes an anno annoyance. Oh, my God. And it, it is rabid mm -hmm. it, or rampant. Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, the people are doing this because I think they're being instructed that that's somehow the way yeah. to do it. I, uh, I still have yet to know somebody that's responded to something cold yeah. and well, <laughs> persistent like my that. My brother has this routine that he does when somebody is calling the house where he just messes with them. So. Uh -huh with the exception of just poking fun at them. But I'm with you. Yeah. How does that ever work? So you gotta Jerry, keep them busy. Let's pivot a little. Um, yes. You landed CIO roles mm -hmm. at big, huge brands, mm -hmm. um, food and beverage brands. Mm -hmm. What do you think contributed to you landing that so that those in the audience can maybe learn something from that? Sure, so I had I mean, the first one, I had been an IT manager and then was very involved in the leadership, philanthropic work and all sorts of stuff at Burlington. Mm -hmm. And um, I got passed over for some promotions. Mm -hmm. And I wanted something. When I went back to get my master's, yeah. I, I just happened, this, you call it pure luck, but one of the guys that was in the class was the controller from Dr. Pepper. Without even knowing it, I was building trust. Ah. He liked my viewpoint. The, the, the mm -hmm. study groups, mm -hmm. the, the conversations in class. And then when their CIO decided to go take a dot-com gig, they were looking for a CIO and he dropped my name and one thing led to another and I was the finalist. Yeah. Now, I had not been a VP even at this point. And so they were real cautious. Mm. And I remember, well, I shouldn't say this on camera, but let's just say they told me that there's no other way to say it. I joined in April. If you're still in here in October, we'll make you CIO, mm -hmm. which was sort of a challenge, you know, of sorts. It's like a probation. Yeah. Right? It's like, you know, we can't yep. promise you that job. And sure enough, I made right. it. Yeah. And then, uh, and, and that company was 4 billion. And so I, mm -hmm. I say that that's not, that's not Cadbury, like some of the companies I ended up working for later on in life. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, but, but good size, no doubt. Uh, but once I was CIO, then I could focus on the things that make CIOs successful. Which are? Being able to talk to leaders in business terms and not in technical terms, but be able to talk in technical terms to the people have to deliver the project mm -hmm. and then be able to talk to end users in a way that doesn't intimidate them. Mm -hmm. um, 
be able to communi communicate, communicate, communicate. Um, have an opinion about things. Um, some of them are just tools you develop, like I, I do the three C's, so does, so does uh, um, uh, uh, well, a lot of people. But what I, are the three cu C's? Custom, common, or core. Ooh, so you have- Elaborate. Yeah, so custom means you've got something you need, it's gonna be built for you, get them in here and get them out, mm. support it. Core is something you do for your business. So if you're in transportation, it's your trucks and your technology using for tracking and that type. If it's common, it's typically things that can be purchased from the market. Mm. And you don't have to worry about developing people and giving them career paths around that. Now you'll give them career paths about vendor management mm. and finance, but in IT, I wanted to focus my people on the core. Got it. Custom so, common. I like that. I haven't heard that one before. I got it from an analyst in 95 who came to Burlington to talk to us about moving from our yeah. mainframe to PeopleSoft. Yeah. Now, for those executives that mm -hmm. are listening here, mm -hmm. you've, so you've achieved the CIO title. Mm -hmm. You've checked off that box yep, yep. several times. Yep. Eight. There's lots of years left. Mm -hmm. What's next after that? Um, so well, first of all, let me say that I learn every day mm -hmm. and I'm not saying I wouldn't want to stay a C CIO for till I retire or till sure. whatever. Yeah. Um, I, people who might be watching this might go, well, he wasn't that great a CIO. Mm -hmm. I heard he did this or he didn't do that or, mm -hmm. uh, so, but I do feel like to your point that I can say three times a CIO pretty much tells you that you weren't a total knucklehead. Mm -hmm. um, but I've thought about leading a tech firm. Mm. So a CEO. Um, but remember I told you about not feeling comfortable selling crap, you know, or if yeah. it's not a good technology, I don't want to be involved in it. Right. It's really got to be something that I can really believe in. Mm. Um, I love private equity, mergers and acquisitions. Mm. I love it because like the example of just something excretes in my brain. Uh, when I got pulled into some of those things throughout my career, it's where I have my greatest memories and mm -hmm. greatest achievements and feeling like I really brought great value. Um, but I also am an athlete. I say that. That's mm -hmm. debatable, I'm sure, among some of my friends. But I've always played sports. And if I could find a way of combining sports with technology mm -hmm. and make that a business, that's that thing that takes me back to 18 mm. and wishing I could keep the dream of sports career alive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I really did not think of myself. Technology came so natural that I didn't think about it as being a career, crazy as that may seem. Well, there's definitely need for tech now in sports. Oh, for sure. So we'll sure. put that out into the, yeah, the, like the universe, the Folks right? out there looking for a guy that knows tech. And, um, yeah. So Jerry, what, the name of this podcast is Tech Legacies. What kind of legacy do you want to build? So, what um, do you want to be remembered for? Giving back, servant leadership. I, I love meeting people and drilling into what they're passionate about. And uh, I, I uh, you know, grew up in a family where I had a brother with a 
birth defect or whatever the appropriate mm -hmm. word is at this mm -hmm. PFFD. He had a condition. Mm -hmm. And um, the Scottish Rite Hospital for Children here in Dallas is a big, um, uh, pulls on my heartstrings a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I want to I wanna continue to do philanthropic things, but I do feel like that it's hard to get people motivated to do something unless they have a real connection. Um, you know, I have, I have, uh, I want my kids to, to, to be good, mm. you know, so my legacy would be having done right most of the time and having, uh, I don't think so much leaving millions of dollars to the family is really valuable to them. It needs to be something that, you know, it's more than just money. Mm. So final word of wisdom for our audience, for their technology career and the legacies they want to build. I would, you know, have a plan. Mm. Um, a degree is critical to teach people that you are willing to put in the time, mm. not necessarily how smart you are. Mm. A master's degree, is important so that you understand the business side. If you want to be at the C level, you, you you've got to be able to talk the numbers as well. Um, network, I guess these are all more like than just one word, but yeah. you know, I, I think all those things matter and give back, be a servant leader. Thank you so much My for pleasure. your time, Jerry. And to all of you, be sure to subscribe to this podcast for more amazing tips and tools and advice and career journeys from technology executives. And for those of you watching this on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe and ring that bell for our YouTube channel here, Tech Legacies, so that you can get the latest episodes. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Jerry. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in. At Tech Legacies, we're all about helping technology professionals grow and succeed in their careers by sharing the advice of top technology executives. If you're looking to take your career to the next level and become a technology executive yourself, we have an exciting program to tell you about. It's called the Tech CXO Excellence Program by Tech CXO Launchpad, and they are our partners. They're offering an immersive, multimodal program developed and taught by current and former CIOs and CTOs who are passionate about building the next generation of C-suite technology executives. And you'll experience a full immersion into the C-suite world and also get to collaborate, network, and experience capstone-style projects with other professionals. And this is all while benefiting from face-to-face -face interactions in person with industry guest speakers. It is exclusively for a new level of C-suite executives and C-level direct reports and second directs who are earmarked for succession planning and career growth. To join their waitlist, register your interests at www.techcxolaunchpad.com. That's techcxolaunchpad.com. This program has everything you need to take your career to the next 
level. 